So thank you first off for, for joining us, Eddie. Um, and I wanted to give you the opportunity now to explain what group you're you're a part of, how you would describe the the Just Stop Oil movement, and what your your role and what you get up to in that group actually is for our listeners. Sure. So the Just Stop Oil coalition is part of a broad coalition of of different movements around the world, uh, collectively known as the A twenty two network. Um, Just Stop Oil was born out of um, the Extinction Rebellion and Insulate Britain movements which, um, as you may know, they're sort of radical fronts of the climate activist scene. Um, so we've all heard of Greenpeace, we've all heard of Friends of the Earth. Well, Extinction Rebellion um, was formed about four years ago now in order to say, that's not enough, that theory of change is not enough, we need to move into civil resistance. Um, and they, Extinction Rebellion did that fairly successfully for a while. But since then, different movements have come out, uh, one of which was Insulate Britain, who were quite a controversial movement. They, they blockaded uh, the M25 and other roads in London. Um, Just Stop Oil is essentially the latest articulation of, of that, of, of the radical front of, of, of climate movement, of, of the climate movement. Um, they have a demand, which is that the UK government um, makes a meaningful statement that it will ban all new fossil fuel licenses. The idea being that um, we've got a certain amount of fossil fuel reserves in this country, which we need to use to transition away from fossil fuels. So we're sometimes misquoted as saying that we want to, we want to stop everything overnight. No, we don't. What we want is no new investment by the government in fossil fuels. So my role in the movement is as a participant of the line in actions, uh, but I also try to mobilize people to, to get others to join us as well. And, um, as part of my activism, I recently spent a week in prison. Um, I was in Her Majesty's prison, or rather His Majesty's prison, uh, Birmingham. Uh, it was in, yeah, in there for a week. Um, it was certainly a very eye-opening experience as to um, what goes on uh, behind bars. Uh, there's a lot more I could say about that, but I think I think that answers your question. You mentioned a, a couple of, of groups in your statement about the Just Stop Oil Coalition there mentioning that it's born sort of out of the Extinction Rebellion and Insulate Britain side of the, the civil resistance in the climate movement. Insulate Britain hasn't seen the same levels of popularity and widespread support as some of the other movements. So I, I wonder, is it worth questioning whether this is the, the route to go down? Are there any other avenues or is this the only way you can see to put this point across? It is the only way uh, because what history teaches us is that if a society needs to make a radical change in a very short window of time, then the most effective means to do that is mass participation in nonviolent civil resistance. What civil resistance means is blocking roads, gluing yourself to doors, um, you know, shutting down major infrastructure. That's what many, many movements throughout history have done, including the civil rights movement in the States. Um, including the suffragette movement in the UK, um, these movements were hated at their time. That they, they they were they were some of the most hated people and hated movements of their time. So Martin Luther King, in 1963, was the most unpopular man in America, but now he's revered basically as a secular saint. And I don't say that to com you know to compare myself or the movement to him. I'm just I'm just saying this is how things goes. Initially, everyone hates you, but then a few years down the line, everyone says, well, of course they were right to do that. The question 
that obviously that springs to mind from that one is if we're talking about this change happening in a very limited space of time, um, how how limited is that time? And then if we're thinking that in a few years down the line, people will be looking back and saying this was the right action, will that be too late if this normally has the time lag of a, a few years? So in terms of the time that we have, um, Sir David King, the former chief scientific advisor to the UK government, um, he was their chief scientific advisor under the Blair and Brown governments. Um, he said last year that we have three to four years to determine the future of humanity. So that's now down to two to three years. So we do have a very, very slim window of opportunity uh, in which to take action. In terms of whether it happens in time, that's an open question. It depends how many uh, how many people come and join us and, and join movements like Just Stop Oil. But we have to try, basically, we, we, whether, whether, whether it's too late or not, we have to try. Better to try and fail than never to have tried at all is often quoted. Um, but I, I also wonder, this current government out of all the governments that have, have gone before seems one of the least receptive to changing policies on the back of civil resistance and acts such as what we saw from uh, Insulate Britain and earlier by Extinction Rebellion. If anything, it seemed to cause a backlash in government action, almost going the other way. And now we've seen not necessarily linked to the Just Stop Oil protests, but the actual expansion of fossil fuel, essentially during, during their fracking expansion uh, announced by the Prime Minister and the Chancellor. So is this strategy actually working or is it having the very effect that you're, you're trying to avoid by making sure that those fossil fuels can no longer be used to transition away from fossil fuels by using them up so quickly? So it's it's an interesting question um, as to whether this current government um, and their lack of receptiveness is 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 something that we have to keep in mind. So so obviously the ideal what the ideal situation would be we've got a super receptive government that says yes these guys have got a point we're going to do this we're going to ban fossil fuel licenses we're going to you know start a massive public investment program in renewable energy we're going to uh, research into food security we're going to do all these things that we should be doing. So, yeah, you're right to point out that we do have like the worst, almost like the worst possible government short of a full on dictatorship um, in, in this country at the moment. Um, however, um, we do know that what we're doing is having an effect. And the reason that we know that is that, um, first of all, um, there's been a whole branch of new legal apparatus, which which the government is introducing in order to try and shut us down, basically, including the police crime sentencing and courts bill the um, public order bill. Um, the, these are sort of massive authoritarian pieces of legislation basically to that, that ban people from associating with other protesters or talking about it online. Um, they ban people from from interfering in any way with any major infrastructure project. So, so they wouldn't be going to this effort if our message wasn't breaking through. So, so the, the question isn't really, you know, oh, is this government going to be receptive to our desires and, and, and is what we're doing counterproductive? I think, I think the real question is, is you know, how do, we, how do we get the numbers to the point that it's, it's, it's irresistible? In, in other words, that, that the government will have to do the right thing, basically, and, and, and start the transition to the world we need to see. Do you feel that that's 
ever going to happen under this government or are you aiming this at the 2024 general election to push the Conservatives out of power on the back of this message? Well, we might we might not have until 2022, you know, so because and, and the reason for that without, you know, I, I could I could talk your ear off about it. But basically, um, the, the threat that we face from from the climate crisis, which which most people don't understand, is that it, it's like it, it's it's like a like a series of dominoes. Right. It, it, it's not like, you know, you, you know, you, you I'm trying to think of a good analogy. Right. So So there are certain things that you can do. And the more you do it, the more harmful it is. But if you stop doing it, then the harm stops. The, the climate crisis isn't really like that, right? It's it's more like if you if I tilt back on my chair, there's only so far that I can tilt back, and then I lose control and I fall on my head. Basically, that's that's what it is. That's what a tipping point means. Um, and um, we don't know where that tipping point lies. Um, I mean, the best scientific evidence puts it between you know, 1.5 degrees of global heating and two degrees. Um, and we're, we're that, you know, the Met Office said recently, there's a 50% chance we're going over 1.5 degrees within the next five years. So, and there was a paper that came out in the journal Science, which said that um, we're already perilously close to tipping the, all these, to basically um, setting off all these tipping points in the climate system, which if, if that happens, they can't be reversed. Basically we lose control and the planet gets hotter and hotter to the point that, uh, it becomes essentially uninhabitable for humans. So, so we don't have until 2024, right? We're, we you know, there's a reason I was willing to go to prison, and that's because, you know, if this, if we don't get this sorted, I've got literally, you know, I've literally got nothing. Uh, I've got no future to look forward to. Basically, is 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 how it is. So we're, we're targeting to, to answer your question. Yeah, we're, we're we're it needs to happen now or or, or not at all. Basically, so come join us. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there will certainly be some listeners out here who are, who are listening and thinking, yes, no, I, I, I do want to get involved. And we will give you a chance at, at the end of this to put out some details around social media campaigns and where they can find more information. But a, a few minutes ago, you mentioned uh, that the, the Conservative government was, uh, I think, the, the worst possible government short of a, a dictatorship. So I want to talk now about a dictatorship in Russia. And I, I think you might have been expecting a question around this particular uh, topic. This argument can go one of two ways as far as many people see it. Either the invasion of Ukraine, which has caused all of these problems on, on global oil and gas supply, can be seen as the best possible time to transition away from oil and gas, or the worst possible time to try and find these these new alternatives because it will simply push the prices up and up in the short run. Now, that's not to say that in the long run they won't then go down because technology becomes more available, etc. But how, how would you seek to answer those who say we are already in a cost of living crisis, we are already in an energy crisis? Um, yes, they might understand some level of the severity of, of what the climate crisis is going to be, but when they're given the choice between being able to heat their home over winter and then looking forward to a nebulous idea that they might not have the best picture in their mind of, how do you make them square that circle so that your idea can, can come out on top? So it does, it does bear repeating that, that uh, what we're facing is an existential threat here. So, so basically like, you know, uh, 
when you're in an existential threat, what you do, what it takes, what you know. So, so people, yeah, people are struggling in the cost of living crisis at the moment, and that's horrible. You know, I'm very much insulated from that because I live in a student place where you know all my bills are already paid for, and you know, uh, so, so so I don't I don't want in any way to like trivialise the experience that people are having, but it does bear repeating that like none of this is going to matter um, in a couple of years if we if we can't feed ourselves, basically. You know, I, um, I would I would put one so, one small point on. to you just based on on that. There are some people for whom this cost of living crisis is also existential. Between over the course of this winter, if if it goes down to such cold temperatures, the choice between heating and eating will get to such a point where we may well see some very severe circumstances as a result of this. Uh, but I think it, it is it is worth just adding that point in uh, alongside your your argument. But I'll let you continue with what you were about to say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, 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 um, yeah. So, in in terms of in terms of oil and gas, so there's there's lots of um, you know, had we done the right thing uh, decades ago and got our fossil fuels and insulated our homes and done all these things which the climate movement is demanding that we that we do, uh, then yeah, we wouldn't be in the situation that we're in. So basically, we're just saying bloody hell, let's just get started for goodness sake. You know, um, I mean, out of it's not it's not just better late than never. It's that no, we have to do this, otherwise we're all going to die. So yeah, definitely people are. Um, it's 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 justified to say people in the cost of living crisis are facing a form of existential threat, um, even though it's 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 specific groups of people rather than the entire you know human global human family. Um, however, um, I don't particularly buy this line that that you know oh what what we're doing now is is. Um, we're going to make it worse in the short run for people because that's that's a political choice right you, you know like you know the global system of trading you know of, of of economics it's human made right and and you know liz truss has just stepped in to say okay we're going to freeze energy prices at 2500 pounds a year um and you know and that's going to be financed by government borrowing um so so we can you know we we, we can have we can have you know basic energy security basic food security for everyone if 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 politicians in this country choose to do so basically um and in any case when your country is on a wartime footing which which is what movements like just up all are calling for um then then you you naturally have things like energy rationing and food rationing to to, to the point that you know people have People have what they need. Basically, basically, it's it's sort of like to, to, it, it, I don't get like political here particularly, but like it's it's you know yeah, over it. world over World War Two, right? You basically had you basically moved into a socialist economy, right? Right? You know, so you, you there are limitations on what people could consume um, because resources were scarce. Um, you had food rationing, you had fuel rationing, you had uh, the propaganda posters in America which said, you know, oh, if you if you if you drive alone, you drive with Hitler, um, and encouraging people to car share. You know, so uh, I'm, I'm ambivalent about use of propaganda, but but you know, if the government was to say we are in a crisis, um, we need you on board, a bit like how it was with COVID, right? You know, you know, you know, you have to stay home. I'm sorry, it's it's for the good of everyone because if you don't stay home, people are going to die. We need a similar message from the government now, which is that if we don't rapidly transition away from fossil fuels and towards a renewable economy. Um, we're, you know, we're all going to die because we depend upon a habitable planet and habitable climate and biosphere for our own survival and as we transition away we're going to support you but we need your cooperation in this now that would be a responsible message from from government at the moment as to whether we'll get that that's an open question 
Yeah, I just want to double check on, on that one. Is that a, a an official Just Stop Oil policy to move to this almost wartime footing, or is this your own ideal version? Um, it is my ideal version, but but again, like so, so, so Just Stop Oil only has one kind of official. Yeah. Um, um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Like one one demand, which is that the government says it will ban all new fossil fuel licensing in this country. Right. So no no more coal mines, no more oil drilling in the North Sea, no fracking, no new gas fields, all, all that basically. Um, however, on a, on a broader, so that's the purpose of Just Stop Oil, right? That's that's yeah. why we exist. But look, yeah, looking at the climate crisis more broadly, what we need is a revolution. Basically, we need a revolution in how we live. We need a revolution in um, our, our political and economic systems and and that's not really that's not i'm not saying that from a place of like idealism you know like oh, i i want to i want to see a socialist world or a communist world or anything like that no it's, it's just it's just mathematically inevitable right because if we carry on as we are we, we we are going to destabilize the complex systems on which our life depends you know it, it's just it's just it's just science it's just empiricism right and and so we can either wait until that catches up with us and we all die you know, or or we can or we can you know make make a sacrifice now, basically, and and um, the outcome being that yeah you know, we might have a fighting chance of getting through this century. It is it's often a criticism of some within the the climate movement that a lot of the action seems to be focused on areas that are somewhat receptive to the the arguments, but might not necessarily be the leading causes of global climate change we're, we're talking about china who have been pulling out of climate accords since climate accords were invented uh, brazil acting with seemingly reckless abandon on the amazon and now very much fighting an election over whether or not they continue with a, a destructive policy there or move away from one so i i know you're linked with i believe it was the a22 network around the world um yeah is is there any way you can convince the people here that, or the people in the UK, that the A22 network will be able to bring the rest of the world along with it? Because these are sometimes there, there could be some quite large sacrifices if you're talking about food rationing and energy rationing um, to in order to make the world better. If it's all going to be wasted because China continues to pollute at record levels, is there any sort of assurance that can be given? Obviously, no concrete assurances, but some reassurance certainly. So, so just just to clarify one small thing. So, we're not quite at the point yet where we need energy or, or food rationing. Obviously, we still yes, have food no. surplus, thank, thankfully. And and um, the only fuel rationing that we need is fossil fuel, right? Because we need to stop burning fossil fuel. But if if we if we were to have a um, you know basically start a green energy um, revolution, then then potentially we could have plentiful energy. Right. I think there was even one peer-reviewed paper that says that the, everyone on Earth could live like the Swiss lived in the '60s. Um, you know, there is there is essentially the, the, nice. um, the yeah the the energy and the material capacity for, for us to live like that. Um, um, however, so so to, to answer your question, so um, yes, yeah, so, so so the issue of China and, and Russia and Brazil that that gets thrown up very frequently yeah. you know when, whenever whenever someone says you know oh you know britain only contributes one percent of global emissions so why does it matter what we do uh, and the answer to that is we're one percent of the global population you know so you'd expect it you'd expect that we'd contribute one percent uh, and it's actually more than that because um first of all in historical terms we've contributed four percent because obviously the industrial revolution started here mm -hmm. 
but also on, on a per person basis, on a per capita basis, we're, we're um, I think, in the, in the top 25 or, or top 30 uh, countries on earth. So um, we actually contribute much, much more than, than um, per head than, than countries like, um, I don't know, Bhutan or Ghana or Zimbabwe or, 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 or other, such, other such places where, you know, people have tiny, tiny, um, you know, the countries have tiny, tiny carbon footprints compared to what we do. Um, so in terms of bringing people along, so, so was, was the question like, how do we convince people that? Yeah, so it, as you obviously understand that this question comes up a lot, it is, is clearly something that people have in their minds as we are this, this small, relatively speaking, 1% emitter. How do we, how do, would you seek to convince the people of the UK or other countries that their action will make a difference when it is, I would say, and I think you would probably have to agree, unlikely at the moment that you're in a position to encourage those three major emitters that we talked about, China, Russia and Brazil, to do the same? So um, it, it's important to say that, you, you know, what, what we do is, is a function of what the whole system is doing, right? You know, it, it, it's not like we exist in complete isolation um, on the, you know, globally and, 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 and geopolitically, and, and therefore, you, you know, what we do doesn't matter because that, that country over there or that, that continent over there is, is, still, is still causing harm. You, you know, we, we, we set examples by what we do, right? You know, if, if the UK government was to say, yeah, the climate crisis is real, it's really terrifying, um, it's existential, and so therefore we're going to do everything that we can to reduce our own impact, and that starts with banning new fossil fuel licences, then, then the world will take notice, right? You, you know, it's it's it, it's not like, you, you know, and, and thankfully we're still in a position where the UK is 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 a, you know, we're not we're not one of the, you know, we're not, we we don't we don't rule the world, obviously, and thank God for that, you know. However, we are still a fairly you know a fairly big player, as it were, on on on, on the global geopolitical stage. So yeah, abso it absolutely matters what we do here, and it absolutely matters what we encourage others to do as well. It's just we need to be seen to be leading by examples. And what's great about the age work um, is that basically it's 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 a coalition of radical action groups in in many different countries: of Germany, um, Italy, Sweden. Um, there's there's others as well, but 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 basically, all it's it's a global community of 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 climate activists who are basically willing to do whatever it non-violently takes to bring about the change that we need to see. So you could see it kind of like spreading like a meme almost that, you know, Brit, Brit, so if Britain was to lead by example, it makes it easier. This is the other thing. When when one country does it, it makes it much easier for the next country mm -hmm. to do it because you're, you're um, it's a bit like how if I go out protesting, it makes it a little bit easier for the next for the next um, person, for the next student to go out protesting as well. Um, and, you know, Greta, when she went out on school strike, it makes it incrementally easier for the next person to go out on school strike. So if, mm. if, if we can get one country, the UK, to commit to banning all new fossil fuel licences, then you could potentially see a, see a viral effect. I want to have one more question on sort of global implications before I move on to a little discussion around your, your time at His Majesty's pleasure, if, if that's all right. Um, <laughs> we, you've mentioned the, the system a couple of times. Uh, you also briefly mentioned that, that Britain no longer sort of rules the world, as it were, with the, the sun never setting on the British Empire, not quite fitting anymore. Um, this begs the, the question around 
inherited disadvantages of the system we are currently in and how you would seek to make this a, a fair sort of green revolution if we're looking for that because obviously the, the first industrial revolution in the 1750s and there thereabouts as you said yourself started pretty much in in the united kingdom or at least in in northern industrial europe and then spread around the world uh, bringing with it increasingly disadvantaged areas in sub-saharan africa which have been used for mining natural resources uh, and and other such products if the uk and other similar nations are once again at the front of a green new industrial revolution if we were to engage in that for the as a thought experiment shall we say um how would you seek as this global movement to to really convince those nations left behind or some would argue left behind the first time and still under the thumb of a, almost a neo-colonial trading system how would you encourage them to move away from the very system that they have seen make rival nations not to put too fine a point on it filthy stinking rich often at their expense in order to just be at the bottom of the pile once again potentially yeah no it's it's it's, it's a great question it's a really really important question i only i only have a very small part of the answer but in yeah, essence um, if we if we lived if we had um, better um, sort of what's what's the term i'm using sort of multi multilateral institutions and if those multilateral institutions were um were you, you know doing the right thing and 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 were and were acting in 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 the global interest rather than sometimes as, as they often act in the interest of the more powerful members um then already um countries like you know like those in, in sub-saharan africa would have received money in order to finance in order to, to finance their development and crucially to finance their development which would not be dependent on um exploitation of fossil fuels mm -hmm. so there has been um you know there, there was this um agreement that was uh had its inception in i, I don't know if it was the cop process the conference of the party process but but essentially that the richest nations of the world would give the poorest nations of the world um 100 billion um us dollars a year in order to finance their um their in order to help them adapt to climate change and part of that means developing energy systems which are which are, mm. which are zero carbon now that hasn't been forthcoming for entirely political entirely expedient reasons right and and um, and so that so had that had that happened you know you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily need to be asking me this question no. so 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 it really it really is it really is a matter of how do we create the political systems that that um that will do the right thing um and we've got our approach which is which is you put you put pressure on them you put you put pressure on on them from the outside to do the right thing basically saying okay if you're not going to do the right thing we're going to disobey and we're going to create an economic and political headache for you until you do the right thing yeah. that's that's the that's the essence of civil resistance right so um i don't think that that there was an interesting dimension in your question which is okay so the if the materials that we need for a green industrial revolution were to come from historically disadvantaged countries then mm. is there an issue of, of neo-colonialism in that we we essentially take those resources to build solar panels in our in our own country and, and, and whatever you know batteries mm. uh, that's that's a really fascinating question which which i i i haven't um given much thought to um 
yeah, so I can't I can't say anything. No. Can't really say anything. It's I, great, it, it great was point. a a very sort of wide scope question, and obviously I'm not expecting you to have all of the answers here. This is a very nebulous and wide reaching issue but something i I think you may well have all of the answers to is about your time in hmp Birmingham. (laughs) we we finally got on to the 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 nitty-gritty of oh crikey so just for for listeners at home this this is is me this is my this is my mugshot (laughs) oh crikey (laughs) it's it's the first one of those i've actually seen almost in person from someone i'm actually talking to so it's a it's a first for me yeah but um, I, I want to ask criminal. before, <laughs> there we go, um, on the radio, no less as well. But um, yeah. I, w- I want to ask, what was it that you, you were doing as part of, I'm assuming it was an act of civil disobedience and civil resistance that, that got you into that particular predicament. So what, what was the action you were engaging in? So um, within Just Stop Oil, um, I was part of a, I was part of a subgroup, which uh, was called the 100 Club. So the original plan was we were going to get um, 100 people in prison within a very short space of time. And the reason for that is that it would get on the front papers, get on, get on, get on the front pages and it would start it would start a national debate and um, it would potentially encourage others to push their limits as well. Um, Now, in the end, we didn't have 100 people. And part of the reason for that was the was the Queen's death. Um, which which was very very unfortunate timing and and people a lot of members dropped out for whatever reason you know they thought that the queen's death would overshadow every, any uh, any coverage that we would have got and that's certainly been true to some extent um, it did get some coverage but it didn't get all, all, all uh, perhaps as much as we as we would have done but that's that's no reason to despair you know you just you just do it you you, you go home you think what do we do next and, and and how can we how can we how can we push ourselves further so in terms of what we did what we did is. Um, and, and I, don't, I don't want to bore you with too many details, but basically no, one it. of the UK's one of the UK's, if not the biggest um, oil storage facility is called Kingsbury, the Kingsbury Oil Terminal. Um, it's mm-hmm. in, um, I believe, uh, Warwickshire. It's, it's near Birmingham. Um, and what we did is we sat outside the entrance, all 50 of us. Um, and we, 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 we blocked the entrance to uh, where the basically the, the, the tankers go in and out. Now, the reason why this was a, a, a more significant action than usual is because Kingsbury oil, term, oil Terminal was covered by an injunction, by a high court injunction. Um, and if you don't know what an injunction is, basically it's it's like a special legal tool which a company can apply for. In other words, they go to the court and say, OK, we're expecting to see protesters here and we want to discourage them from coming here. Will you give us a special, will you grant us a special legal tool which makes punishments for them extra severe? That's that's basically, mm. um, so it's basically a, a special form of deterrence. And, you know, it carries the threat of unlimited fines and the seizing of assets and such and such like. Um, and so what we did is we all went and we broke it. We, we knowingly broke this high court injunction. Uh, by setting on the road within within the in, within the area that was covered by the injunction, and what this meant, there was there was a special uh, detail of, of of this injunction, which is that you need to be you need to appear in front of a high court judge within twenty four hours. So we were all whisked into police vans. We spent a night in a police cell in various different police cells, um, and we we appeared in front of a high court judge the next day. And we wanted to make sure that we ended up in prison. So what we did is we spoke over the judge. We said, I do not recognise the moral authority of this court because you're upholding laws which are protecting corporations which are going to destroy the planet. 
if I'm released, I will break this injunction again. In other words, I'll go and sit back down on the road. And if you ask me to return to this court, I will not return. So we all said this. We all said a variation on the same theme. And the idea being is that the High Court judge had no choice but to send us to prison, basically. Uh, and so we were all put on remand for about a week. Um, a few, a, a handful of the 50 people are still in there for a number of reasons, because some of them have, you know, some of them have broken this injunction before or, you know, they, they, they were, you know, a bit saucy with the judge or whatever you know it's, it's for different different reasons for different people um but but um but yeah in essence it, it worked exactly as we planned which is that we were all we were all sent to prison um within a very short period of time so uh, there we go 50 of you all in all in prison i assume for some variation of either contempt of court the breach of the injunction itself it's Breach of the injunction is contempt of court, but we, we, but we were further we we were further contemptuous by by declaring our intent to break it again if released. So I have sort of one question about this. Obviously, the civil disobedience and resistance is the key tenant of the Just Stop Oil campaign and your affiliated campaigns as well. Um, is there not any more value in in simply being? arrested and, and remanded in, in custody and rather than going to prison going out again with that 50 group of people which you already said was a little bit lower than what you might have wanted and using yeah. them as network organizers in a second event that could get more publicity in a short space of time rather than leaving them all for a week in a, in a prison cell or, or some longer well, well, there's 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 many reasons why it's it's useful. It, it, it sounds like it sounds a very weird thing, doesn't it? But 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 there's many reasons why it's useful to go to prison. Go to prison. So the first the first is that um, it creates cost for the state, right? You, you know, basically, if it, the the reason why the state puts you in prison is because they need to get you out of the way. That means that you're generating because they wouldn't do it otherwise because you know it's expensive. Um, you know, it costs money to keep people incarcerated, um, and and basically, if if you are sent to prison then it means that you are uh, you, you know you're a thorn in the back of the whatever the, the the term is you're a thorn in the side of the state so it means that what you're doing is working essentially but in terms of <clears throat> in terms of more long-term um values like it also gives you credibility like like it's, it sounds weird like I, I, I didn't i didn't go to prison so that i could walk around saying oh look at me you know i was i was brave and i and i and i went to prison however it does show that i'm willing to go the distance you know, because, you, you know, why would why would a 25 year old, you know, try and get himself to prison? Right. You know, it's not something that you hear very often, mm -hmm. is it? You know, so it does. It does show that you you walk your walk. You don't just talk your talk. Um, and as I say, it generates publicity um, in this instance, not as much as we would have liked. But, you know, maybe next time. Um, and there's a final factor in this, which is that um, which is that if enough people are willing to do what we did, the state can't deal with us. So this is part of the theory of change I was mentioning earlier. You have to basically, mm. what we're doing is we are trying to force the hand of, of, of the government, basically saying, you know, if thousands of people are willing to be arrested or willing to go to prison, the, the you know, the system can't deal with us, basically. We, we, we overload the system. So in other words, we, we, we are trying to make it more costly to do the wrong thing than to do the right thing. I think that sort of clears up that that particular question about the the merits, certainly from from your point of view of of taking this action and and ending up at as you say His Majesty's pleasure rather than rather than Her Majesty's pleasure. Still feels weird saying saying things like that. Um, yes. 
I think we, we may well be coming towards the end of, of the content that, that I wanted to get through in this interview. So I want to give you an opportunity now to uh, sort of go through if people have been intrigued by the, the things you've been saying, if they want to learn some more about the Just Stop Oil campaign, where can they where can they go to find out some more information and potentially even get involved? OK, so, so the, the first thing to say is we do have a big um, a big upcoming action which begins on the 1st of October. So I don't I know it's 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 only a few days away, but it will be running hopefully for at least a month. Um, basically, what we're doing is in 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 alliance with other movements, including um, the Don't Pay campaign and um, Jeremy Corbyn's Peace and Justice projects and various other sort of union movements and social justice movements. We're going to be going to London from the 1st of October um, and essentially blockading Westminster day after day after day. Um, hopefully for at least a month. Um, it's done on a rotor system. So the southwest will be down one day, the north will be down the other day, the, the east will be on. So it's not just like everyone goes all at the same time. It's 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 people take their turns, essentially, depending on where you are in the country. So if people do want to learn more, um, I would just say go to the, um, the Just Stop World website or, you know, drop me a message. My name's Edward Whittingham. Uh, you know, my email is ew578 at exeter.ac.uk. Um, but, but yeah, you don't, you don't need to go to me necessarily. Just, just, you know, reach out, reach out to the national team and then you'll be, you'll be put in contact with, with someone that can tell you more basically. But yeah, so c come to, come to London on the 1st of October or any, any other day in October, come, come to Westminster basically. So there we go. You, you've heard what's happened in the past. You're hearing what's happening in the future. And hopefully from this interview, uh, you guys listening at home will have learnt a little bit more about what is going on, the, the reasoning behind it. And uh, hopefully I, I've put a couple of, of good questions to you, Eddie. Uh, thank you very much for, for coming on for this interview. Thank you for, for giving up your time for this we may well see you on a newspaper next or, or hear from you on a radio show before uh, you may get back to us, but you're, you're welcome back to have another interview at, at a later point. And we, we might try to see if we can arrange something in the aftermath of this um, potential month long Westminster protest to see how you, you feel it's, it's gone. Uh, but thank you very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure talking to you and we will get back to the rest of the show. Cheers. Mm -hmm.